Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Well, it's been quite a week celebrating 50 years since the first moon landing, something that I'm very interested in. And also British retail sales have rebounded unexpectedly in June, but that's been driven by the sale of antiques and second-hand clothes. And also fashion retailer Zara have promised to only sell sustainable clothes by 2025. And from next year, containers will appear in their stores to collect your old clothes so they can be reused or recycled into new items. However, this week we have the pleasure of Alison Ensor, the senior partner from Foreman's, talking to us. And she did an interview with us, which we recorded last week, all about self-assessment. We're joined in the studio uh, today by Alison Ensor of Foreman's. Um, welcome, Alison. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. We've decided that we're going to spend some time looking at tax, which is not the sexiest of subjects, but it's your specialism. Yes, it is. It is. But um, yeah, as you say, it's not It's not the most interesting to everybody, but we all have to do it. Yeah, it's something that affects all of us. And, and specifically, we're looking at um, the deadline that is looming even though we are only in July and that's the 31st of October deadline for self-assessment tax returns. Yeah, the good thing about that is that's for a paper filing. We've got till the 31st of January 2020, so till next January to actually file a self-assessment online. So not too much of a panic yet. Not not yet. <laughs> not not yet. yet. But if you've got a carrier bag full of receipts and bits the and bobs. The sooner then... you get moving on it, the better, the better, because you'll need to know how much tax you need to put aside. Okay, so um, most of us, I think, uh, and certainly our listeners will will have an understanding of what a self-assessment tax return is, but who are the people that would need to be completing one? Right, you really need to be completing one if you've got some income that is not already taxed. So if you're an employee, normally you're on a PAYE scheme and your employer will take your tax and pay it over. Not always necessarily right, so you do need to check it, but you don't need to do a self-assessment tax return. Um, anybody that's got any income, so investments, dividends, self-employed, um, limited company directors specifically need to do one. Um, they need to be registered with HMRC to do it, and they also need to get it in by the deadline. There are penalties. So get moving on it, really, now. And those penalties get enforced, don't they, very strictly now? Oh, yes. Um, the online filing deadline is 31st of January. If you file one minute after the 31st of January, there is an immediate £100 fine. Um, that sits in place for three months, and then the fines start increasing. If you don't pay the tax by that date then it's interest. Interest rates are low at the moment anyway, but you don't really want to be paying that. Tracy, have you got any questions? Okay, so I am a, an accountant and I have not done my own tax return for as long as I can remember. Right. <laughs> now, I know you can do your own tax returns and um, my, my thinking is that it takes me longer to remind myself how to do the tax return every 12 months than it would for me to allow an expert to do it. Is, is that your recommendation or would you recommend somebody with very simple tax to, to do it themselves? It depends how comfortable you feel um, doing your own tax return. Yes, it's like anything. If you only do it once a year, it's any software program or anything like that, it, it, 
you have to get back into it. You have to remember your passwords, um, what I need to do. And it does change year on year. HMRC do update what they need and what they don't need. Um, the other thing with, with getting somebody, a professional, to do it is actually they will know things that you can claim legitimately expenses that you can claim that you might not think about and if you're going to somebody that's going to do it for you then they should be making those suggestions so they should be looking at your personal circumstances and saying if you're self-employed why aren't you claiming x y and z now is it true i remember years ago and i, I part of me thought it was a, is a very good line to come from the accountant but when i was choosing which accountant to go with um one of them said that a good accountant should save you more money than they cost you. That's actually a, a, something I've told my clients. Okay, so it's... It, it's, it's true, because um, they should, the, the fee that you pay, because you're going to have to pay a fee, um, should be covered by the advice they give you, because they should be able to save you some tax. It's like anything, you need an expert. Um, I'm not an expert in, in radio, for example, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't know what to do. If you've got an expert get them to do it and because it's it's not just about the you know the online portal i mean i i've used it you know it's fairly straightforward you know you can you can work your way through it but it's not just about being able to operate a computer package it's as you say it's that oh hang on a minute have i maximized the opportunity there in terms of what i can offset against my yeah taxation? i mean particularly if you're self-employed there are a lot of um, things like subscriptions, training, things that people don't think about that are very specific to individuals. So it, it's not a, a blanket thing. Everybody can claim, for example, I can claim my institute um, subscriptions, but somebody who's not an accountant can't claim that, but they could claim something that I can't claim. So it's a very personal thing. Um, and it's knowing what what you can claim and what what your allowances are. Um, there are things like um, there's the marriage allowance at the moment where you can, um, if your partner is not um, earning um, up to the, the, the personal allowance, then you can actually transfer some of those allowances across. It's not always tax efficient for everybody and it might not be worth the fee for somebody to sort it out for you, but it's something to think about. So let's assume that we've we've done our self-assessment or we've had it done for us and, and there's there's a payment that needs to be made. Yeah. What are our options around payment and what are the deadlines, etc.? Because most people will think, oh, crikey, have I just got to pay a huge lump sum like in one hit? So what, what options are there? If it's the first year you're doing a, a self-assessment, you're doing a tax return, any tax due is due by the 31st of January following the end of that tax year. So we're just about to do the 1819 tax year, which ran from the 6th of April 2018 to the 5th of April 2019. And that tax is due, if there is a liability, you might get a refund, is due by the 31st of January 2020. And it needs to be paid by then. If you don't pay it, there are interests um, that HMRC will charge. Um, if you've got a liability of more than £1,000, which if you're self-employed and you're doing really well, you might have, um, then there is also what's called a payment on account. Now, the payment on account is a payment towards your next tax year. Okay. So although you're paying your 1819 tax in, in January 2020, you're actually paying part of 
1920 tax as well. It it's a strange it, strange beast, but you have to pay half of what you paid for 1819 as well as what you owe for 1819 on the 31st of January. But only if you've got a tax liability of more than a thousand pounds. Okay, all right. So that starts to get into to the specifics. But yeah. what that's saying to me is. There's a very definite reason to do your tax return as early as possible. So you can start to be planning what you might need to be paying. Yeah, you can you can file your tax return as soon after the 6th of April as, as you can if you want to. You don't have to pay that tax at that but you point. Can start but you can start saving, saving towards, towards it. it yeah. The only... Um, you can have a payment plan with, with HMRC, but you need to set that up. Um, what we've found from experience is if you start part paying your tax as you go along, HMRC have a tendency to view it as an overpayment and send it straight back. Um, so, <laughs> so, Which is nice, but, not, nice, but yeah. not what you're trying to do. Um, so you can talk to them and explain to them what you want to do. And in that case, they may be able to, to do that for you. Um, but I wouldn't just start paying amounts over. No. Okay. <laughs> right. So I want to ask about a very specific tax situation. Um, not directing this at anybody specific in the room, Heather. <laughs> but if you've gone from being self-employed to limited company, right. what are the changes in the way that you report your tax then? Um, there's no real changes. You're still going to have to do a self-assessment. Um, if you've become a director or a shareholder of a company, if it's your own company, so you've, you've transferred from being self-employed to having your own limited company and working through that, you still have to do a self-assessment as a director and a shareholder if you are getting more than £2,000 worth of, of dividends. Um, you will have to fill in the various relevant sections. So if you've gone um, through a limited company partway through a tax year, you will have to fill in the self-employed part of the, the tax form, which are separate sheets if you do it on paper, um, for your self-employment. And then you will have to fill in the director's side of it um, for your directorship. Obviously, once you've moved into a new tax year and you're just a, a limited company director, then you've just got the one set of forms. But you are going to have a transition during a tax year. So I feel like I'm getting some personal advice here. Thank you very much, Tracy. <laughs> so so I suppose the question from that then is that, you know, when you log in on the um, HMRC portal um, and it says which sections of the tax return you need to complete, you know, the pink section or the green section or, yep. you know, property or all of these different things. So as a company director, will it automatically now know that I need to fill in that part of the tax return or will it be something that I have to what you have to do, do is that that the active bit is which bits of that you tick off at the bit very beginning. beginning so you need to tick off the self-employed and the self-employed sections will miraculously appear when you come to fill it in if you fill in I have been a company director the limited company parts will miraculously appear which will include employment because as a director you're paid a salary so it looks as though you're filling in employee um, schedules but that's actually your um, employment as a director that you're filling in 
And if you've gone through that transition, then somebody like Foreman's, like yourself, Alison, would be able to help make sure that the right bits get allocated to the yes. right bits. Yeah, that, uh, of that, your, that's whether where self-employed or employed. That's where we would come in. Um, that's where Foreman's would say, right, what have you done during the year? What have you Te- done? <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us everything that, that's gone on. And it, it's even the smallest thing. Um, somebody just drops into conversation that, you know, oh, I've got a holiday home. We spent a fortnight in the holiday. Well, what else do you do with that holiday? Are you renting it out? Oh, yeah, we do that. That's got to go on the form. So it, it, it's really communicating with people and finding out what, what's going on in their lives as well as just crunching the numbers. Fantastic. Okay, so what would your advice be to somebody who at the moment is sitting thinking, oh, I'm, yeah, I must get round to doing that. What's the, what should they do? Right. The first thing to do is get all those bits of paper into one bag, box, whatever it is, into some sort of order. Um, Make sure you're registered with HMRC so that you can do your self-assessment. You need your unique tax reference in order to log on to do anything. You can't even file a, a return without that. If you're a limited company director, the company will have a UTR, a unique tax reference. So you need that as well. So the first thing to do is get organized. Get everything that you can think of that affects that tax year and as I say we go from the 6th of April to the 5th of April anything you can think of in that tax year get it organized then you start looking at the return um, and then it rolls forward but do it as soon as possible right okay and um, and in terms of uh, I know a lot of people think oh well I'll just hand that that box over to the accountants but you're going to pay for somebody to be sorting through all of that aren't you so if you can knock some semblance of order into it 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 saves you money as as a yeah and a lot of accountants charge by time foremans we don't do that we we do um fixed quotes so we will tell somebody how much it's going to cost before we do the work um but quite often an accountant will charge by time so the more time you can save them the cheaper it's going to be. So the more organized you can be, use a spreadsheet. Just list things. We love a list. Yeah. Um, you love a spreadsheet. You I lot, love a you? spreadsheet. Love oh, spreadsheets. Don't know how we cope. <laughs> That's where you see. Yeah. yeah. We all love a spreadsheet. <laughs> not all. I'm not that keen. <laughs> As accountants, we all love love a spreadsheet. Um, so if you can just list it, you don't have to use a computer. You could list it in a notebook. Um, but lists much easier to follow because the accountant all they're going to do is big table sort it into piles and then list it that takes them time it's cost you don't want to be incurring that cost a little bit of organization and i seem to remember um when i first started to self-employed you know that whole registration process um i think rather foolishly i thought oh well i'll just do that online but there has to be there's a validation and you know so it's not a case of just sign up like you sign up for facebook don't wait for the 30th of january no you say no <laughs> because there is yeah there's a bit of to and froing that needs to happen so yes. um yeah yeah get, get get organized get yourself registered if you're self-employed in a year you technically need to be registered by the 5th of October or 6th of October, I can't remember which, um, of the tax year following the year that you you became self-employed. So you've got till then to actually register. So a bit of time. Well, that's... We were talking 
before we came on air, I'm interested to know what are the most common um, excuses or some of the wackiest excuses that people have oh. used for filing late? HMRC do normally um, issue a list um, after the after the deadline. Um, and some of the, I mean, we've, we've seen some, some really funny ones. Um, a couple of years ago, there was one that said I couldn't file it because I couldn't get to a post box. I was sailing around the world. Um, okay. My dog ate it. Um, I couldn't get downstairs because um, I'd broken my leg. Um, my wife had hidden it. <laughs> <laughs> Might um, be true, but it's not good enough excuse. <laughs> no, no, no. It's there are excuses. I mean, people people are ill. People have um, you know problems. Um, there are legitimate excuses. You can appeal, but it does need to be a decent excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. So foremans are based in Wrexham. Yes. Whereabouts are you? We're um, on Grove Park Road, um, next to College Cambria. Uh, we'd love to see people. Kettle's always on, so if anybody wants to drop in and have a chat, we're there. Fantastic, Alison. Thank you very much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you been, for having me. It's been really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. In other news this week, um, Trace, is, oh, Trace is all over an amazing news story, but I've picked something that's slightly less interesting, but it's interesting to me. Um, my eye was caught by uh, Dyson, uh, you know, the vacuum cleaning, fan making, hairdryer making, expensive kit uh, guy. Um, Dyson had an advert where they were advertising one of those fans, uh, you know, that looked like a big giant sort of paperclip thing. Um, and it was deemed that that it was misleading because the advert showed the fan without any cord. So it was implying... It's not plugged in. That it's, yes, that it's a cordless fan. Um, and so the ad was banned. Um, and I thought, okay, right, that's that's quite interesting um what you know how do things get banned do people have to make do people have to complain um how long does it take if somebody does complain how many people need to complain who decides that it is actually misleading i've got another question go on haven't you got anything better to do (laughs) (laughs) i think it just caught my eye okay no not you the complainer oh you were the complainer you see an advert for something like that that's not got a cord and you go ah but it has got a cord yes i i can i don't know is it doing anybody any harm if they bought the fan thinking it was cordless yes and it didn't have a yeah it did have a cord i can see the harm but Uh, yeah sorry i thought you meant haven't i got anything better to do Uh, no no No, haven't these people got i wouldn't be so rude well if you are listening and you are one of the people who complained about that advert then we'd like to know what else you do with your spare time however it did just start to get me thinking about there's adverts all the time and they're just you know they're on the tv they're on billboards and sometimes okay yeah you might look at something and think is that strictly true? That looks like a larger portion than you actually get or what, you know, it serves one, it serves two, no, serves one in my house, that sort of thing. Um, Anyway, so I I sort of probed a little bit further and I came across another advert where Aldi have recently, uh, another article where Aldi have recently been um, hauled over the coals because in 2018, in the run up to Christmas, they ran, you know, they do these sort of basket comparisons, you know, buy this stuff in, 
Tesco, as it was in this case, and it will cost you X. And buy this stuff in Aldi and it will cost you Y and it and it's less. Uh, but Tesco took exception uh, with this this basket of, of goods, goodies. Uh, Aldi was saying that, um, that their basket of goods came to about, I think it was £26 or something, or £36, whereas in Tesco it was going to be over £50. But Tesco quite rightly said, well, hang on a minute, in your basket you've got your own label champagne in our which is priced at eleven pound forty nine. Whereas in our basket we've got a bottle of Moe which is twenty eight pounds. They're not comparing so, like with No, them. you're comparing the, the whole apples with pears hmm. thing. Okay, I might have complained about that one myself. Yes. Yeah. So and and certainly if you were Tesco you would. So it got me then thinking about, okay, well with the Dyson thing, who was it who complained? Was it was it a fan manufacturer? A good point. A rival good fan point. manufacturer. You know, was it one person? Was it 25 people? Who decides that it's them worthy of a ban? I mean, sometimes you see things that, you know, you might think are not age appropriate. Anyway, of course, the big thing is that the Advertising Standards Agency are the people who make these decisions. Uh, and, um, and they, whether it's TV advertising, whether it's paper advertising, whether it's billboard advertising, uh, they're the people that you you might complain to. Um, and so they've got their work cut out uh, in terms of what, you know, what they approve and what they don't approve. Um, but I just thought, oh, it, it's quite a big subject. And there's a lot of this stuff going on uh, in the background. And we just accept that what we we see is is, well... We take it at face value. Yeah. And yet sometimes some of us are looking elsewhere. So it, I just thought it was quite interesting that these big boys are getting are getting told off. Um, so anyway, so that's my story. But it's not it's not as exciting as yours because you you're all no. over. <laughs> you're all over the world. Yeah, well, my, mine was um, inspired by the um, obviously the celebrations for the moon landing. And I've been listening to a number of different um programs and podcasts about it uh, one of my favorites was the uh, 13 minutes to the moon from the bbc world service but anyway if you if you're interested in space exploration i, I recommend that but this is more um, about the actual research and um the the side effects of space travel actually and also i suppose inspired a little bit by the monty python life of brian um the the sketch in the life of brian film what have the romans ever done for us yeah okay so what has space exploration ever done for us and i i actually googled what has space exploration done for business okay um and there are, there are quite a lot of stuff, to be perfect. What honest. have you got? So just a few things that you, you might not have immediately associated with um, NASA and space exploration in general. So instant television. So the first television satellite, um, Telstar, was uh, launched in 1962. And they've been able to watch live events as they unfold. Um, so... The, for example, the assassination of President Kennedy to to everything that's happening now. That was brought about, obviously, by space exploration uh -huh. because of satellites. Meteorology. So, obviously, we, we need to know what the weather is wherever we are. And I, I've got apps on my phone which tell me what the weather's like in all the places I'm intending to go over the next six, six weeks because that's the sort of geek so I am. Good, yes. Uh, navigation, obviously. Fuel cells, um, they, they were obviously developed um, for the 
um, Apollo programme. Some new fuel cells were developed for that, which have all become part of what we um, use now, um, ultimate green fuels. Um, the environment, um, space platforms are monitoring pollution and the rainforest and looking at agriculture, identifying mineral deposits, um, looking for archaeological structures underground, uh, even can uncover agricultural fraud. Loads on medical, I'll come back to that in a minute. Robotics, space engineers have obviously had to develop small and flexible equipment, tiny sensors, monitors. All of these things have had a, a use on Earth as well. Uh, materials, non-stick frying pans. There's oh. one of the famous ones. Obviously, that yeah. non-stick coating was developed uh, for space flight. And, and all sorts of things to do with computers, obviously. So the first computer that went to the moon was the size of two shoeboxes. And before that... Computers were measured in, in sort of terms of how big it is. My, my computer's better than yours because mine takes up... A whole building. Three buildings, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got its own fire service devoted to it. So obviously the space race, they had to get smaller and smaller and quicker and quicker. And so we, we've got space to thank for the laptops that me and you are using today. And um, also, I, I said I'd come back to the medical stuff. Research from NASA has... has produced it estimated 1800 or so different technologies for medicine including infrared ear thermometers that we use to take temperatures um, heart pumps for people waiting for a transplant imaging used by the hubble space telescope is used in mri scanners uh, artificial limbs and robotic sensors custom moldable materials um, the people who run marathons and they get those silver blankets or, or people who are um, rescued from mountains, those thermal blankets were designed by NASA to reduce heat loss. So, um, And the tyres that were developed by Goodyear um, were five times stronger than steel for use, uh, for use on uh, the Viking Mars lander. So you can now get those tyres for your car. So the, the answer to the question is... Quite a lot. Yeah, quite a lot. Even the um, Heston Blumenthal des designing curry for Tim Peake to eat in space. But actually, the development of space food has, has been used, you know, to to provide enriched foods for for people who need food foods to be delivered in a different way to you know to just chewing and eating standard foods. So, water purification, solar power, all those sorts of things. So. That's what we've got to thank space for. In the discovery section of the show, me and Heather go searching for things that uh, we think you might be interested in. It could be a book, a website, a podcast, a newspaper, an event. So this week I've found a book. Now on first telling, you might think that this doesn't sound very exciting. It's a book on project management. You're absolutely However, right. Yeah, yeah. However, quickly, quickly... <laughs> <laughs> I followed that up by saying it's a story um, about the pyramids. Okay. To tell the story of project management. Okay, so Project Manager and the Pyramid, How to Manage Any Project, Any Place, Any Time by David Hind. Now, project management can be a little dry. and um, <laughs> You don't say. Even the author says... Books on project management tend to be rather dull, and that's why he wrote this book. So what he does is he takes 
uh, himself and puts himself in the context of having been transported to ancient Egypt and he's been asked to help project manage or to consult on project managing the building of a pyramid. And it, it's it's a very well-written storybook. It's got um, a cast of characters, which I love, with a story. So right at the front is a cast of characters. And as well as explaining project management to the guy that's asked him to come to ancient Egypt to help with this project management, at the end of each chapter, he also brings you up to date and goes how you can use that in modern day. So it doesn't just leave okay. you thinking, oh yes, great. I know now how to I build could, a pyramid. Yeah, I could project manage a pyramid. You now know how to bring it into modern usage. And it's it's really written nice, um, nicely. Even big companies can go drastically wrong with applying the basics of project management. And the format of this book makes it easy and it makes it fun to read. And it gives examples that uh, are relevant as well as the pyramids, which are relevant clearly a massive project to manage but also to the modern day as well so I think it's a very good example of project management that is easy to read and quite fun to read one of the best lines in it though is that they talk um, in the very first chapter this guy is brought back to ancient Egypt and said what have you brought me here for and one of the other characters goes, the high priest asked the gods to bring us the best project manager of all time. Thank Ra, here you are. Oh, very they said good. To, to this guy, it's like, oh, that's pretty good to put yeah. on your CV, isn't yeah. it? The, the best project manager of all time, as decided by uh, the ancient Egyptians. So h- highly recommended. And of course, they wouldn't have had a spreadsheet or um, any of the uh, Gantt chart. Not, software not the or specialist project management software no, that you've got. Just a no. big piece of papyrus and a, a few stones. Quill or whatever it is they know. used to use. Yeah. But um, The Project Manager and the Pyramid by David Hind is the book that I discovered this week and it gets a thumbs up from me. What did you discover, Heather? Well, I discovered something that I'm very, very excited about. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners write blogs or don't write blogs, but know that they should be writing blogs, but can't think what the heck to write about. And that's certainly where I am at the moment. I've just had a new website done and now I've got to start populating it with blogs on a regular basis. And you think, oh, crikey, what am I going to write about? Well, I was introduced to an amazing website um, that helps with this massively. And uh, I'd never come across it before. It's called answerthepublic.com. And what you do is you pop along to answerthepublic.com and then you search on a particular topic. So given that I've just been looking at advertising, if I wanted to write a blog about advertising, I type in the word advertising and it produces this big pinwheel that gives me lots of sentences, searched phrases that people are searching on in the interweb. Wow. And it's all brought together. It's amazing. And then they're split into groups of like why, how, will, can, where. So put in advertising, for example. Um, where um, Where is advertising most effective? Where did advertising come from? Where is advertising used? Countries where advertising is banned. Um, then we get to why. Why advertising on social media is good. Uh, why advertising is important. Uh, why advertising is unethical. All of these can provide 
a strategy to, subject, to write yeah, yeah a subject yeah. you know you, you you can say well it is or it isn't you might think that it is unethical and you can write a blog post on that you might think it isn't and you can write a blog post on that do they give you guidance on how to include certain phrases or, or the search phrase within the blog as well they don't they don't um because this is very much a content generator you know this is an ideas generator because it but, used to be that they'd say oh you put it in your tags and, and whatever but now uh, i understand that the search engines actually look at what's in the body yes. of your text yeah well the person the person who introduced me to this um so i'm having some coaching around getting my uh, online presence um better and more efficient so she was talking about so um why advertising is effective you might say people you, you, you know you might use the phrase um why advertising is effective at the beginning of your podcast and then you might say this is an ev- an effective way of advertising yeah so you so the threads you weave them through. in there yeah. yes yeah. yeah but you don't just keep repeating this stock yeah, phrase because it doesn't think the bots have got wise to that yes. sort of thing yeah, yeah. It, they're, they're looking for context and they're looking for um joined up thinking but um yeah I, I, it's just great and in fact yesterday so i was searching on communication um and it threw up some really random things um that you go, oh my gosh, okay. Now, it might be that only one person was searching on that search term, but that in itself is quite helpful because it's it you're positioning yourself with something that's not what everybody else is doing. So, okay, it might be slightly niche, but... If somebody searches for it, the chances of them finding your content... Yeah, you're going to... Yeah, yeah. So, um, and actually, if you type in any of these search phrases, it's blog posts that come up. It's not websites... Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. So the links for everything that we talk about today, the the books and the website that Heather was talking about there, we will put on our blog, which is on the website, thebusiness.community, together with all of the podcasts from the shows we've ever done. Last weekend, much of the nation was gripped by some of the greatest sporting activity um, ever. I mean, I I am not interested in sport at all, Um, but it felt only right that with um, Wimbledon having been on, and we mentioned Wimbledon last week, we thought we'd take a look at Novak Djokovic, who not only won, but will have won a huge amount of money. And we start thinking, well, okay, what what does he do with his money? Um, And does he have any businesses, does, any business interests? And of course, he does. Now, as you would expect, a leading sportsman of his ilk um, would generate money from um, sponsorship and all of those types of things. But we, we wanted to have a look at how he spends his money and how he makes sure that his money just doesn't disappear. And it sort of unearthed some really interesting stories about him as a man. Um, he's Serbian um, and grew up during you know, very troubled times. Um, so his life experience has been has been interesting, to say the least. It's not just a pot of money. Uh, so we started to look at uh, how much he's earned with his, his sport. He's a professional tennis player. But then what business interests he's got. And um, he's quite um, philanthropic. Philanthropic. That's right, isn't it? Philanthropic. Yeah, I'm not going to try and replicate that word. He's quite generous with his money and does good works. (laughs) Um, So we we also started to look at that. But Tracy, what did you find in terms... Because you've got some information on just how much money... Yeah, so I I, I had a look um, around 
what his earnings were. And so I looked at Forbes. It's always a great place to look. So their 2019 Celebrity 100 earnings. As of the 9th of July, um, his earnings were 50.6 million. And apparently he's earned £132 million in prize money in his career. That's just the, what he's earned from playing tennis. And that's the highest of all time. So that's pretty impressive. So higher than Federer? Yeah. Even though... Okay. Yeah, yeah. according to, to that website. So um, that that's Forbes, and I trust Forbes, so I'm yeah. going with Forbes. There there are... If you, if you do a search for... Um, Anybody in net worth, there's loads and loads of results. So I do tend to try and stick to ones that are quite recent and and ones that we can trust. I also went to have a look at his own website. Clearly, he doesn't talk about um, his net worth on his own website. But it describes himself in three words on his own website. Athlete, holist and entrepreneur. So he very definitely falls into the category of somebody that we would be interested in talking about. And then I listened to a podcast. I have to admit, I didn't hear the end of the podcast because I I was listening to it in bed and I I woke up the next morning and podcast had finished and I'd had a really good night's sleep. Presumably I'd taken in (laughs) some of what had been said, but the initial part, at least half of it, was really, really fascinating. And it was an interview with an American guy called Gay Shet. Jay Shetty and in there you do learn a lot about the man himself so he's he's talking about the horror of living in these war-torn parts and and war-torn country and the bombs that were falling as they were singing happy birthday to him on his 12th birthday and he he's talking to Jay Shetty a lot about the holist side of his um uh, personality as he describes himself on the website and, and talking about how um he feels anger towards someone actually hurting ourselves, not the person. Sorry, feeling anger towards someone actually hurts ourselves, not the person that you're. Yeah. Upset oh at. gosh, that's so true. Um, understanding that you will never be in balance because the world is constantly moving. Um, looking how to verbalise your emotions by finding mentors. So it's that sort of feel to that whole interview. But you get a real good feel for the person. And I, having never really paid much attention to tennis myself, so I don't know his personality on or off the tennis court. I actually warmed to him listening to this interview. And he's also on Twitter. Um, his Twitter bio says, laugh as long as you breathe, love as long as you live. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so from good. a business point of view, I, I was trying to work out, apart from his earnings from playing tennis, he um, makes money in other ways. So endorsing and wearing clothing yep. brands he gets sponsorship deals he's a brand ambassador for numerous um companies and he's also um an investor so a lot of his activities in business go through this company called family sport which are run by members of his immediate family he's very family orientated yeah. isn't he yeah very much so he's got a cafe and restaurants he's got property sports entertainment event organization sports clothing um, nutritional products called Jocka Life, <laughs> uh, okay. vegan restaurant in Monte Carlo, but apparently that closed this year. So, th- quite a lot, wide ranging. But the thing that I took from it most is I, I quite warm to him as a person. Yeah, I mean, he is he he is little known, isn't he? I think it is really interesting that he's he's amassed more money through tennis than some of the more 
um, well known. I had a chat with my husband about it and he said it's because he's won more majors. So it's not just the Wimbledon, you know, Federer. I mean, he's just picked up Wimbledon after Wimbledon after Wimbledon. So he's um, Djokovic has got a broader um, uh, run of, of, of masters. Um, but uh, I was looking at the, uh, so the foundation, I was looking at the different officers and there's himself and there's his wife. But he's obviously very shrewd because when you look at the, um, the, the, di- the directors, so his wife's occupation is down as entrepreneur. His is down as prote- professional tennis player. Um, somebody else, a guy called David Lumley, is wealth management, corporate social responsibility. So he's, it's not just, you know, a bunch of mates. These are people who have very specific um, skill sets uh, to, to maximise the impact that that organisation has. So we always finish our profiles, if we can, with a quote from the person that we've profiled. I've got one this week. Have you got one from Novak? Um, uh, I don't. I haven't really got one that that floats my boat. Hopefully, mine will do for both of us then, Heather. So, this one, I don't know where it's taken from, but I like it, and I'll run with this one. He says, when the last point is done, we are humans. Give your opponent a hug and say, great fight, and that's all. Brilliant. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, I hope you've uh, enjoyed listening and we will be back next week with the business community. You've been listening to the business community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.